workforce and workplace norms are shaped as much by popularized portrayals as they are by our lived experiences. From sensational headlines, like The Great Resignation, to successful series, like The Office and Silicon Valley, to skits and stories shared on our social media feeds, what we see shapes what we believe. Let's go behind the scenes to discover what's new now and next in the world of work, and we'll challenge the traditions of what it means to live well and to work well. This is Success From Anywhere. Today on Success From Anywhere, we'll meet the master mixologist who's expertly blending a base of great content with a balance of curiosity seasoned with connection. Step inside his speakeasy and discover how to craft a cocktail of conversation that leaves your listeners wanting more. Please join me in welcoming to the show author of Speakeasy, CEO of Thrive, and host of the fantastic podcast, Thrive Loud, Lou Diamond. Lou, welcome to the show. Oh my God, Karen, I am so excited to be here and I'm even more excited because that might've been the best intro opening for me ever. I'm, I'm copying that from you. You're gonna have to give it to uh, people who introduced me to stage. How about that? Please <laughs> do. Maybe I have a future career in short form bios and introductions, who knew? Who knew? Well, you've had a lot of practice. You've been on a lot of programs. People have introduced you for all the different things and great things you've done. So yeah, I could totally see you have an expertise in this now. We talk on this show about the world of work and how so much is changing and conversation is core to that. Before we go there about some new tips for conversation and connection, I like to ask every guest, what was your first job and how did that job inform or inspire your career trajectory? Oh, great question. My first job uh, started when I was uh, younger than I'm probably allowed to announce for legal work purposes, although we've probably passed some kind of statute of limitations. Uh, and that was that I worked for my father in his retail jewelry store. And what an experience this was. I, I, not kidding you, I might have been 12 or 13 years old when I started working regularly, uh, learning how to sell to customers and it was a very, very, a very small store. It was only 60 feet long and nine feet wide. And imagine you had a counter that you had to stand behind where all the, the showcases were and where the jewelry was. So there was like one aisle and lane for customers to go in and out of, and you were really close with them. It was an unbelievable experience to learn how to connect with people at a really early age, really understand what their needs were, what they were shopping for. Uh, a one-on-one -on -one situation as opposed to one-on-many and really understand a very challenging thing to sell in a very competitive environment. There were lots of other jewelry stores and, you know, what was it that they need and did you have what they wanted and could you eventually, you know, persuade them to buy something? So I, I learned a ton from my father who is a wonderful salesperson and many of the people that were around me and it was my first job and I had that job for many, many years, uh, always, you know, called upon when needed. Uh, growing up and for summers and stuff like that, but uh, a very important job that really helped me understand the importance of urgency when selling, connecting really fast, and uh, and have a lot of fun while doing it because it was during the Christmas season when it was really busy. It was just a chaotic and fun environment, so one that I will never forget. Everyone listening will definitely want to know if you can connect them with a discount, and more importantly... <laughs> There has to be a memorable moment from one of those conversations that stands out that really taught you something about connecting with people or a memorable moment. Uh, uh, 
to say there's one memorable moment uh, would be an understatement. There were dozens. Uh, I guess what I guess if there was one that I w- will always think of was was um, a guy one time came into the store and he was looking to buy his fiance, well, his girlfriend at the time, an engagement ring. And we were off in the corner of the store where when he came in and a girlfriend of his future fiance was in the store. And all of a sudden he was like trying to hide his persona because he didn't want to know that he was shopping for a diamond ring and obviously ruined the surprise. So he actually asked me and one of um, the workers in the store if they could go over and kind of persuade this other person to either leave or hide him. And we actually put the guy behind the, in the back room and waited until this woman came out. So then he came out and he, and he finished the purchase and stuff like that. But I will never forget it because it, we couldn't figure out exactly what he was doing. All of a sudden he took his jacket and like covered himself over like he was a secret agent of some sort. And it was one of those moments you never feel. And, and he bought the ring and they got engaged and I have no idea where they are today, but that was a story I'll never forget. Hopefully they lived happily ever after. And I, I hope so think too. about those memorable moments of what happens inside of the jewelry store when you unroll that beautiful piece of velvet, right? And put the attention into polishing the stone before you present it. So it's perfect, which seems like a basic step, right? Make it look its best. And when I think about the work that you do now, you're back to the basics on conversation. And with everything that has shifted, and we're all trying to polish up our communication skills, what constitutes a conversation now? How do you even define it? That's so great. By the way, Karen, spectacular on the analogies here. Uh, here here's what, what I'll say, and this is so funny about conversations, and we are surrounded by them every single day, and many times we're not even involved in them. Think about your entire life and the things you listen to and the content you're at. If you're listening to this amazing podcast, you're engaging in a conversation. You're just not necessarily participating in it, but you could be learning from it. If you're in the audience of somebody speaking at a live event, you're listening to the conversation that the speaker might be having with the audience. And in your business environment, every single interaction that you have, not only in person, voice to voice, but digitally as well, email conversations, chats through Slack, communication across the organizations, uh, podcasts that go across internally in a company, company newsletters, these are all interactions that we're having with ourselves that are important things that we're trying to connect to. What I've learned, Karen, is that we've gotten a little sloppy, rusty, and I would almost say out of real practice in making sure that we connect in every one of these conversations. We have so many touch points on how we can communicate with others each day. Think about it from text messages to emails to just you know blog posts or, or whatever methods that you have to speak to people but we're not doing a really good job of doing all the things you need to do to make the conversation connect. And that was something that I, that was like the red flag that went up that I got to experience here behind this, this microphone in hosting the podcasts I've been dealing with, in working with a lot of the customers that I help to connect, engage, and win in everything they do in sales, marketing, and leadership. So when I started to see this problem, um, I don't want to say it's been going on for a while. I think it's been concentrated and really been separate. The pandemic definitely 
made us have to do more of these type of communications as we're doing this via Zoom. And that really emphasized the importance of penetrating this camera to connect with somebody, which is hard to do because we don't have the energy and the personality to shake someone's hand or be in the same room with them and feel the same energy and vibe that they do. So I realized we need to do something so that we can highlight all the ways that we can have better conversations and recognize where they are. And then something really important hit, and that was that there's a way to connect in every single type of conversation that you have. And that was the big like light bulb that went off in my head. And that's what actually inspired me to write Speakeasy and wanted to share that gift with everybody. You're calling out a context shift we've all been living through. We define conversations so frequently as something that happens in person. You know, you read about the person who's struggling with onboarding at a new company because they can't listen over the proverbial cubicle wall and learn from the people around them. We think about or can relate to sitting at dinner with someone and you're listening in on the conversation of the table next to you and filling in the blanks, usually, of your own hypothesis. We associate a conversation with something that happens live, synchronously, and in person. And your yeah. definition of a conversation makes me wonder what would change if we treated every interaction as a conversation? What would we do differently? How do you coach individuals and organizations to make that shift, to think about a Slack message or a newsletter, as you called out, as a conversation? What would we do differently to be more effective? One of the interesting things about this observation, and you're very astute to this, this is a little bit of a shift in the way we think about conversations. And where I recognized it actually was, uh, I felt I was using a different type of person, if you would, when I would be speaking about a conversation I witnessed or a podcast I listened to. It almost felt like I had established a relationship with the people that were having a chat and I wasn't even in the room. A connection was being created and, th and that brought to my attention something real important, Karen, and that is you're right. It has an amazing effect that we can have if we can take all these different forms of communication and figure out what needs to be done so that we can connect. And I realize it has nothing to do with what we need to do. And it has absolutely nothing with the specific set of words or things we might need to say, whether written or, or, or orally in the way we communicate. It has everything to do with how we need to be. Those that know how to connect through conversation have to understand that there's actually a certain way to be when you enter into a conversation, before it, during it, and after it. Before even you send, the way you think about sending an email, the interaction you're having and who you're trying to message and the tone you need to be using when you're communicating. And in any of the follow-up and all your communications to make sure that you're keeping that connected way of being, a certain way that actually makes us more connectable, more likable, more desirous of others to say, I want to continue to have a conversation with this person. Think about all those emails that you get from marketing and how if they're worded a certain way, or I'll even joke about this, there's just too much words, too many words on one email. Anytime you have to scroll, you have to go like this or on this on a mouse or this like that, you're not going to get someone's attention anymore. We are so concentrated on making sure we connect really quickly right away. So there actually is a way you need to be in the way you communicate even just a written message. I wanted to translate that way of thinking, the speak easy way of thinking across all these touch points. And it is something that is coachable 
something you could put into practice each and every day and that you could work on to get better at so that you do connect, engage, and win every single time. On this season of the Success From Anywhere podcast, we're talking about nine to five, this theme of the hours in which work happens. And one of the key drivers of these return to mandates or return to office mandates is the concept that to connect, we need to be in person together. And what I appreciate about your book, Speak Easy, is that you created what I would think of as your signature cocktail for connecting through conversation. <laughs> you talk about your seven C's and it's this getting ready and connecting and getting people to end with the tell me more and want to stay engaged. What are the seven C's in this signature connection cocktail you've crafted? I'm not going to go through all seven because as I joke about in the book, by the way, that I never actually remember them and that's why I wrote them down, but I do have an understanding of most of them. If you think about great conversations that you have, there are certain elements and they all happen to start with the letter C that make a conversation engaging. Uh, first of all, to start it off, the content itself, the conversation is content, is something you need to think about. Just as I mentioned, the last thing I see before I go to sleep at night is some late night talk show of a conversation that's taking place. It's actually the last thing that's actually going through my ears before I go to sleep. And when I wake up and I see my wife, I start having a conversation with her. It's the first thing we do, right? But content, if you think about it in that regard, the conversation is where we learn, it's where we grow, it's where we gain information, where we actually grow the worlds that we're in. So it is a tremendous resource to us. And again, as I mentioned, all those touch points are different content. But the content is engaging sometimes, but it needs context, one of the other seven C's, to make sure that we have the contextualization to make that content relate to us. And this is so important because so often someone will tell a specific example of great story or whatever it might be, but if you have no context to where that actually is, it's hard to make that conversation connect. So those two actually go hand in hand very, very often. Um, cadence is actually something really important that I know happens in every conversation. There is a rhythm to what we like to hear and a familiarity. Listeners who don't know this, Karen and I have spoken on numerous podcast episodes together, and I could tell you that if you listen to probably the second or third one, we probably established a cadence that works between us, um, a rhythm of how we like to ask questions or what we like to talk about. And she's obviously smarter than most people on the planet. So we need to actually speak. I have to elevate my game and elevate that cadence within it. But in conversation, there is a speed. You ever, you know, when you start to see the people that you grew up with, you'll actually may even speak in maybe the accent or the pace or the rhythm that you did when you were younger. We establish rhythms with those that we have connections with, but we have to figure out that little dance in the beginning of a conversation because when the cadence isn't on rhythm or a little off, it's hard to connect. When we find the right speed, the right understanding and where that is, that's where the conversations get in line. And I don't have to go through all of the other C's, but I could tell people to go check out the book and look for it. One of the last pieces I know is this connection itself. The goal of every conversation is actually to make a connection and have more conversations with the person you're speaking with. So you have to think that a conversation does have a kind of a beginning and an end, but also has to pick up and have a starting point because that's what we want in conversation, to establish that connection with somebody that you know you can go to, that you can start to begin trust with, and you could start doing business with more efficiently, effectively, and clearly. 
I know that's another part. And clarity actually is another one of the C's. And making sure you're clear. I want to make it clear as I'm speaking right now, no conversation will be engaging if you do not understand what the person is talking about. So I think we covered five of the seven. I think that should be good enough for your listeners. Did you know that 68% of workers say a hybrid workplace is their preference? Make hybrid work for everyone with Robin. Robin is the industry-leading flexible workplace platform for connecting people with rooms, desks, and each other. We've helped companies like Peloton, Toyota, and Hulu build better workplace experiences. Plus, we integrate with the tools you already know and love. To learn more about how we make flexible work a reality, visit www.robinpowered.com. We think about putting more effort into preparing for a presentation, a formal presentation to a customer or to win our boss over on an idea than we often do perhaps about the newsletter that goes out or the, the quick text message. All of these are forms of conversation. And when you were talking, Lou, I was reminded, and some listeners might be surprised to discover that all cocktails, as you know, are derived from six basic cocktails. That's it. There's That's right. literally nothing new under the cocktail sun, as it were. And when I'm thinking about your framework, I think about preparing for what we perceive to be a difficult conversation, where maybe we mm -hmm. haven't connected in the past, or we need to ask for something that we perceive may be difficult to get. How do you coach people, or do you prepare differently for a difficult conversation or one where the connection was off the first time and now you've got to go back. So, so let's reiterate an important thing that I said earlier. Have, being able to connect in conversation is not what you need to do or what you, not what you need to say. It's how you need to be. And what that means is there are certain ways you need to bring certain elements of your character or a certain emphasis that you need to bring to the table so to speak, to mix these things together to make those conversations effective. When it deals with the uncomfortable conversation, which we effectively call it the speakeasy, the 800-pound gorilla, it's that uncomfortable moment. You know there's something in the room you need to have a conversation with that's challenging, difficult, and makes you feel uneasy. Let's call it what it is. We need to step through the fear we have of having this conversation and engage sooner than later. We all know that when problems exist and we don't have the conversation to resolve the situation and bring our connection closer together, Karen, the reality is, is that it festers, it grows, and the problem probably becomes bigger than it ever needed to be. What I love to say as it relates to the 800-pound gorilla, you got to bring like a shot of gumption, a little bit of nerve, what I love to call a four-shot chaser of deal with it. You go straight to it right at the beginning. And, and tackle that particular hard issue right away. Deal with that 800-pound gorilla, address it in the room, call it out, discuss it, and you won't believe, by the way, how quickly you'll navigate through it, how much more relieved you will feel that you address the conversation. And while a lot of times these are, on, these are difficult conversations, these could be firing somebody, this can be giving a bad bit of report to someone about their performance, this could be telling somebody bad news that you didn't win something or you haven't heard yet from somebody. These uncomfortable conversations are important to address right away. Deal with it. And by the way, you won't believe how much better you'll get at dealing with the uncomfortable conversation the more you practice bringing these things to the table. Because and before you know it, who knows, maybe the uncomfortable conversation with 800-pound gorilla might be your drink of choice the next time you have to have. I blatantly borrowed this from Brene Brown. She talks about using the opening 
the story I'm telling myself is. So for example, let's pretend that the last time you and I were on a podcast together, it was a disaster. I could say to you, or I perceive it to be. Lou, the story I'm telling myself about our last podcast together is that we were completely out of sync and it didn't go well. Did you feel that too? And sometimes you find out the other person didn't, right? But, but it's right. those little opening lines of how do you get into the conversation and most importantly, how do you move on? Keep, keep in mind what I mentioned about how you need to be if you go into that conversation. I have a little bit of a cheat sheet, which I do for every conversation. Would you like to hear what I do before every conversation I have? Absolutely. I call it connect your voice, V-O-I-C-E. It doesn't matter if I'm doing a podcast, I'm gonna be a guest or a host, I'm gonna be speaking on stage, I'm gonna enter in that conversation or even that uncomfortable conversation. What I do is I take each one of those letters and I think about that's what I have to do is my almost my mental mindset warm up before I engage in, in speaking with somebody. The V is to visualize how I hope and think the conversation will go. I'm hoping that uncomfortable conversation will go well and we'll get through the challenging issue. I'm hoping that my appearance on your program will educate listeners about the value of speakeasy and how important connecting with every conversation is. And that's the message I want to be. The O is to appreciate the opportunity. Karen, as you and I know, every time that we speak, it's just magic. It's awesome. It's great. But really, the reality is I go in there knowing that every conversation is a gift. The opportunity to speak with someone gives you a chance to connect and enter their stuff from their world and your stuff into yours together. That's a wonderful opportunity. You need to go in with a sense of appreciation. And when you do that, people are going to be more likely to want to connect with you. The I, real quickly, is the identity you need to play in that role. In this case, I'm playing more of a teacher and an explainer, and you're the question asker. And a lot of times, we balance off those roles. Sometimes we're just the listener. We're a fly on the wall. But in all situations, knowing the role you have in a conversation is important to be able to get the connection to stick more stick-to-itively if you could. And C and E go together. You need to have charisma, bring a little of yourself, a little of your own uniqueness into the conversation, and E, energy. Because make it clear, you have to elevate the conversation a little bit, Karen, because nobody wants to connect with a dud. You've done over 800 interviews on your Thrive Loud podcast and many more because you help companies tell stories, right? And find these stories. And what strikes me is probably the number of people that have said to you, well, I'm not a charismatic person or I'm not naturally energetic. How do you create connection and find that in people when you're having a conversation? Because we all know there's a moment when there's a spark and you see someone go from, nervous or disengaged to just lighting up. And I'm guessing thousands of interviews into the kind of job you do. You've got some detectable clues when we're on the side of asking <laughs> the questions or engaging. So, so I do feel that there is a little bit of a mirror act. Um, and this happens in acting and in, and in stand up or even in improv. And, and that is that um, the ability to go with it and, and that yes and mentality. All right, I, I'm never going to negate anything I hear from anybody on my show because my show, the star is not me. The star is the guest. The guest is what everybody is tuning into. They're the one who we're featuring. They're the one we're putting on the podcast, album, cover, if you would. We're promoting their incredible book, their story, their movie, their lesson, their business, their incredible idea, their podcast, whatever it might be. And I want everyone to kind of understand and decode what makes this person tick. 
And here's something really cool. When you have lots of conversations and I bring an energy and a positiveness and a real excitement, challenging at times, we don't make it so dull. It's not all softball questions. It's really let's dig in and understand so what makes this person tick. When you focus on speaking about that guest and understand the, the components to them and really dig and ask really good questions on what they care about, there's something happens to them. One, you've been focused on them. Let's make it clear, people, we love when people talk about us. We, the most aesthetically sounding word in the entire English or global language is your own name. When someone says your name, you light up. Ever since we were a little kid, they would say your name and it would make you smile and everyone was happy to say it and eventually you would say it. But when people say your name or when people are talking to you and they're talking about the things that you talk about and you're giving you the time of day, you feel great. In fact, that's the connection energy we're trying to establish. That's the positive charisma I want to bring and the energy that you want to create in any conversation. So every guest I have, even though some of the topics might not necessarily tap into me, one of the key ways you need to be as I mentioned, there's a, there are the five ways you need to be in Speakeasy. One of the ways you need to be is curious, genuinely curious. Like you have to be interested in who you're speaking with. When you show that curiosity and that appreciation and respect and you treat every conversation like a gift, the person who you're having the conversation with feels it, knows it, wants to give back, and actually will show that sense of appreciation to you. So that energy that gets created in a great conversation in my podcast interview, yes, lights them up, makes them feel good. And by the time the conversation is over, there's two things that usually happen. One, they want to keep having a conversation or more of them. And two, we want to tell everyone about it. That's the type of connection that you want to have every time you have a great conversation. And it requires a little energy and it requires a lot of practice, a little selflessness, but it's all about the way you need to be in every conversation, no matter what the topic. There are two words that will strike fear in the heart of some large percentage of our listeners right now, and they are networking event. Now there are people like, <laughs> right? There are people like you and I who go into a networking event and we think, this is so exciting. How many stories can I hear? How many new friends am I about to meet? And there are other people that see it on their calendar. They dread it. They arrive. They are hovering in the corner. They are terrified of how to go into a room with people they don't know and try to connect through a conversation. What do you have to say to those people who aren't energized like you and I are by meeting strangers and what we see as future friends? Karen and I, by the way, we see networking events as candy store. Those were the two <laughs> words that we have. We like light up like, ooh. Um, okay, and, and I like to think of it a little differently. I don't like the word networking. I, I wanna make it clear we all need to network. Networking is essential. We need to do this. It's part of our job. It's part of our lives. It's part of making sure we're connected into the community and society at large. Networking is something we have to do. But the word networking or network is overused. And because of the technological reference to networks that we have, it, it, it almost has a little like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a whole busy botchy kind of mixture of wires and things that you have to deal with. So while, yes, you need to network, I don't like that word. Karen, the word I like to use is connect work. Hmm. I want to make connections with those in my network. So when I go to a connect working event, which is what I call it, I go into that event trying to figure out exactly who are the right people I need to meet, who, would, who do I want to have conversations with, who do I want to focus my time with, and recognize 
to your point, hey, this is a wonderful opportunity to open myself up and try and learn something new, try and gain some relationship and connection. And, I, and I'll tell you, I've, I have a map for this. Like I go to the, specifically those really large events, which which one of your former employers hosts out in California or in current employer and uh, other places out there. I mean, these are massive, massive trade shows and there's just so many people to know. When, when it's something like that, there are certain people I try and plan ahead to try and meet, meet when I'm there and try not to meet in the very busy places because it is difficult. But there is one thing that's real important and that is, I want people to embrace that that uncomfortable conversation, just as we talked about before. Go over and practice something I call your team A, which is I have an icebreaker, which is a ver another favorite that we love to sell at the uh, the Speakeasy, which is one of our conversational flights. And part of that icebreaker, you need to know your team A, which is your tell me about yourself, right? Come up with a team A that's actually really fun when you go to meet somebody for the first time, because nobody wants to know or will ever learn who you are just by your job title or the company you work for. You don't need to say, hi, I'm the VP of such and such a company and this is what I do. That is a job that you do, that's great. But really what you wanna know is what your name is, your full name, uh, maybe where you're from or who you work with, that's okay. And then something you're passionate about. I've actually done this a couple of times, Karen. I've gone to a group. Hi, my name's Lou Diamond. I'm from just outside New York City and I love country music. And people hear that all the time and go, you are kidding me. How does a guy from New York City love country music? And it's a conversation starter, by the way. You could talk about what music you like or what you don't like or whatever it might be. Best response I'd ever had from somebody was this woman who said, hi, my name is, I'll use her, I can't remember first name. I'll just say, hi, my name is Karen. I am studying to be a sushi chef and I can't wait to travel to Osaka next year. And I remember saying, this is awesome. I wanna learn more about this person, whoever she is. And by the way, I then learned that she is a systems engineer for a large company and she has lots of passions and interests. And here she was, she didn't say she was a systems engineer. She talked about the things she loved first. Just think of it this way. When you go to meet somebody, wouldn't it be nice if someone walked away from the event saying, well, I met Karen at this particular event. What a wonderful person. She's not just somebody that works for a large tech company. She's a three-time author. She hosts a podcast show. She's passionate about connecting with people. That's what you want people to walk away from. So start with your superpower. Share and unleash your superpower when you go to these events. And I love to say this, one of the ways you need to be in a conversation, be super. <laughs> Let those superpowers un be unleashed. Go in there and be an absolute superstar and be excited about it. And yes, those nerves that you have about meeting people are afraid maybe you won't find the right person or are uncomfortable with it. Practice your teammate. Practice telling people about yourself. Bounce some of those ideas around. See how they work. What is the, what's the difference? The reality is in a trade show of 10,000 people, you're trying to stick out. But in other situations, people see your name on a name tag and they associate your company. That's one thing. But you want them leaving to know who you are. And when you leave a trade show like that, trust me, and you practice this enough, you'll want to have more of these conversations with these people. You don't need to meet everybody. I want to make this caveat. Pick a small niche of what you want to meet and try and also set up times to meet after the trade show too, or the, or the big networking event, whatever it is, because it's really hard in a lot of those situations to spend a lot of time because there's not enough time to do and a lot of people to meet. Be productive and efficient and have fun. And here you are still talking about this person years later. 
every life yeah, has a I, story and these great connected conversations invite people to share the story to your point of what are you passionate about? Yeah, I still think, by the way, Karen, she ended up purchasing a sushi knife somewhere in Osaka. And I remembered that's the visual I will always have was this very unbelievable. They're very expensive for those who ever know this about sushi knives. Um, beautiful knife that she got in Japan and she is still taking sushi lessons and cooks often. So it's really cool. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one day she ends up opening her, her own place. It would be really cool. Have to go find her. You'll be your first guest. And when I was hearing you share your story, <laughs> I was reminded of interviewing candidates for a job. And at the end, the finalists got down to the panel presentation. You know, we gave you a problem to solve. You're going to come in and share it with us. We're testing your ability to communicate and analyze data. And we asked each of these finalists to do one slide to introduce himself, herself, themselves. And I can still remember, and your story sparked it, a gentleman who gets up and he's getting ready to do his panel interview and he pulls up a slide and it has a picture of chicken fingers and a myriad of dipping sauces. And this is his introduction, I still remember it. Chicken fingers are the finest food ever made and dipping sauces are phenomenal. My favorite is ketchup followed by honey mustard. I mean, he had a stack ranking. When we eventually okay. hired him, we got him ketchup, all of the dipping sauces, because we all remembered them. And we took him to his welcome lunch at Chicken Fingers. I just thought it was so funny. He didn't need to tell us like all the things he had done before in his 25 hobbies. He's like, I'm going to tell you the finest food ever made is Chicken Fingers. And I thought, that's bold. I, I still remember him. We hired him. That, that is amazing. I, I've, got a, I've got a bunch of those. I actually gave a speech to a bunch of college students uh, two days ago. And it was over a weekend thing, which is don't ever speak to college students over a weekend. But what I will tell you is that we were talk. I shared that I could probably remember almost every single person I've ever hired because there was that one unique thing that they shared about themselves that always stuck out. Uh, this, I, this one woman I remembered, she created a math camp. To this day, I always think about that. She created a math camp for some as she would say, some mathy nerdy kids that wanted to do something during the summer and have fun doing math. And I'm like, this is amazing. And it always stuck with me. And there are many other people who have these unique things. So I, I say this to everybody. We all have something special and unique about ourselves. What we connect with is not what makes us look like everybody else or what company we work with or a cool title that we have. It is something really special and unique about us and the uniqueness of us, that is what we're trying to figure out when we connect with people. That is what we're looking for because it's a piece that we might not have and we love to add those little collections into our jigsaw puzzle of life of matching all these different things together. So just think about that. So when if you're afraid in any of these environments about sharing some of that stuff, maybe it's more about better solidifying your story and your message better and understanding how valuable it will be to that one person in the room who would benefit from one of your special gifts and talents that you have. Speaking of special gifts and talents, you have one on your podcast that is your lightning round where you ask people <laughs> questions and the lightning round. Because if you believe imitation is the highest form of flattery, now is your moment. I think about this as the virtual water cooler segment. And imagine you and I intersect each other at this mystical, magical place we all seem to love and miss now called the water cooler where spontaneous conversations mm -hmm. happened. And I am going to invite you to connect not only with me, but with all of our listeners during this 
water cooler conversation comprised of five quick and easy questions. Are you ready, Lou Diamond? I am turning the mic of connection onto you. Born ready, Karen. Bring it. <laughs> what time of day do you do your best work? Early morning, uh, before nine o'clock. Early riser. If there were no dress code, what would you wear to work? What I'm wearing exactly right now, a black t-shirt, uh, jeans, or comfortable like Lululemon guy pants. Those things are really good. Um, and very comfortable, cool, dark sneakers. If you weren't doing what you do right now, what would you be doing? I really love what I do, Karen. So I can't say I would be doing anything else other than the work I'm doing. But if, if it was something else, it would be playing golf, maybe. <laughs> that is a great job. And what yeah. is the part of your daily routine that you most look forward to? Oh, uh, that's a great. So, well, I, I'm going to break it into it. Anytime I get to have a conversation with somebody in, in with whether it's my client or a prospective client, I love the just as we talked about the candy store of going to a, a networking event, connect working event. I am a big fan of having conversations with the people I work with, not through email, not through social, not through chat or text, but actually having conversation. I do look forward to that every single day. And it's interesting to me that even with your focus and expertise on conversation, you focus on practicing that skill every day. You don't take it for granted. Every day. I, 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 you can never stop practicing asking great questions, knowing how to step into how you need to be and really be passionate about learning about other people. I mean, there's a billion some odd people on the planet. I'm never going to meet them all. So the ones I get to meet, I got to treat as a gift and live in the present. I guess that's why I do think of the present is a gift. Isn't that interesting that those words overlap in some way? You have to appreciate every conversation. And if you're not present in the moment, you miss the gift, right? Totally. It's, it's like, it's like missing, uh, getting the, it's like forgetting Christmas didn't exist one day and you ended up like passing by it and you're like, what? No presents, no conversations. Imagine there are now 25 hours in a day instead of 24. What are you doing with your extra hour? That's a spectacular question. Uh, I was going to say sleep, but I'm not going to say sleep because uh, I do love my sleep. I would say with that extra hour, uh, I would take one hour and it would be, it would rotate. I'd work on myself. It would be, I do work out, but I would spend more time working out or I would balance out uh, certain skills. I am trying to learn how to meditate. I'm not very good at it, uh, but I'm trying. I would focus on something for me. Something for me is what I would do in that extra hour because I give a lot more time to, to other people. So working on developing myself would be something I want to do, whether physically, mentally, uh, a certain skill that I want to practice. That's what I would do in the after hour. Maybe the big breakthrough, I mean, maybe we're revealing like a happy hour special here is, is thinking about mm -hmm. it this way. Meditation is an opportunity for you to be a conscious observer of the conversation you're having with yourself all the time. That chatter, it, right? I, I think it's actually a chance to have like an internal conversation with my soul. Uh, and that, and I, and I know it might not require any words. It might require just good thoughts or nothingness or whatever that might be, which I've tried to get, but it's, it's, I have such an active mind and such a desire to want to connect with others. that I almost feel 
like I'm shortchanging the world if I'm spending a little bit too much time with myself. But if I got that extra hour, I would take it. All conversations are content. We are all content creators. And that content, that conversation, that opportunity to connect is everything from that networking, or as you called it, connect working event, to a conversation like we're having now, to all of your written communication. And I'm thrilled that you shared with us ways that we can prepare to connect in every conversation. How can our listeners find you, first of all? Easiest way to find me is you can go anywhere in social media at ThriveLoud, T-H-R-I-V-E-L-O-U-D. That's also ThriveLoud, if you haven't figured that out. Um, and I'm also at ThriveLoud.com. And if you're interested in getting a copy of Speakeasy, you can go to SpeakeasyBook.com and it'll take you there. What is one small step every listener could take as soon as the podcast is over to connect in the literal next conversation they're having? I want them to think about that connect their voice, that exercise I spoke to you about. Visualize the conversation, appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation and treat the conversation as a gift. Know who you need to be, bring your charisma and lift up the energy. Do that in every conversation and try and do it beforehand. You won't believe how much more you'll find your conversations engaging, connecting, and really lead you towards whatever that initial purpose and the vision that you had for that conversation would be. Thanks to Lou Diamond for inviting us to step inside the speakeasy today and discover how to mix up the next conversation into something that results in connection. As a reminder, success is not a destination. Success is not a location. Success is available to anyone, anywhere, anytime, even inside of your very next conversation. Thanks for joining us and make it a great day.